Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 9, 13 through 35, called All Hail Breaks Loose. In other words, one of the ways God punishes sin is to allow the sin to continue and therefore allow it to take its natural destructive course. Behind this is the biblical truth, says Stuart, that people cannot rescue themselves from their own sin. They will always need help to break the patterns of sin in their lives. Pharaoh had long ago set himself against God's people and would not let them go. And he was still doing the same. God's hardening of Pharaoh's heart making him remain stubborn, serves as a punishment, although the action itself by Pharaoh is also called a sin. Back to Exodus. Now, I know that this is some tough sledding probably for all of our minds to try to understand the where human will and God's sovereignty intersect with these realities. What I will say is that From my perspective, here's what I can tell you, generally speaking. God has given us free will. For example, when we are called on to repent and believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that that is a genuine call that God is calling us from our will to repent of our sin and trust in Jesus Christ. I will say this, though, that the aggressor in the equation, in my view, if we were to take a pie and we were to say, what part of the pie is man's, it would be a small sliver of the pie, a small piece, if you will. But I still think that man has a piece of the pie. God is the aggressor in the equation. Without his grace and mercy, we would never respond to the gospel. We would never come to him. Yet we are called to believe. We are called not to resist the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, to be willing to turn our lives over to his lordship. And it is more than just trusting Jesus as your savior and getting an insurance policy for heaven. Amen? It's about following him as Lord. How many times did Jesus say to people in his ministry these two words, follow me? And not everybody did. The rich young ruler walked away and Jesus let him go. And said these words, how difficult is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Why difficult? Because his riches had become his God, small g. This is the reality of the fact that God is sovereign and no one's going to come unless the Father draws them or calls them. And yet at the same time, there is a piece of the pie that certainly belongs to your will. And if you resist him and you won't follow him or you decide to follow him with 10%, 20%, 30% of your life, then that's what you're gonna do. And that's how you will live and that's how you will die. Now, God can get our attention, no doubt, amen? (laughs) And you know, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray. We can talk to Jonah when you all get to heaven and Jonah will tell you about how God can custom design fish to get you on board with his program. You all heard the girl who, you know, went out to witness and she was a brand new Christian and she met this very strong, opinionated atheist. 
And she said, sir, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the atheist said, what about this? What about evolution? What about this? And how can you Christians believe that story about Jonah being in the belly of a whale or a great fish three days and three nights? How can you believe that? She said, well, sir, I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah how it happened and he'll tell me. And the atheist said, what if Jonah's in hell? And she said, well, then you can ask him. And I want you to see, Bible students, back in Exodus 9, that again, we are told that Pharaoh, still God speaking to him, still you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. There is a self-exaltation in the Pharaoh, a pride, which has been called the mother of all sins, that keeps him entrenched in him fighting against God. And if we were to take one sin and say, what is it that keeps people away? Uh, however it all walks itself out, pride would be that sin, amen? I will not submit myself to Christ. I will not, uh, you know, become a Christian. I will not, you know, we, we dig our heels in and we sing with Frankie, I did it my way. And this is what people do. And the Pharaoh was doing this. His pride was not given to him by God. The pride was from his flesh. He refused to humble himself before God. And so we might say God had wonderful plans for the Pharaoh. Jeremiah 29, 11, in a funny kind of sense. <laughs> you, you're going to resist my will? Okay, I got plans for you. You will become One way that I make my name known throughout all the earth, even through your rebellion. God can use whatever he decides to use. So behold, about this time tomorrow, we're about to get God's forecast. I will send a very heavy, the word heavy, kabed in Hebrew, is used of Pharaoh's heart in other places. I will send a very heavy hail. I mentioned to you when we opened the text that the plagues would go to Pharaoh's heart perhaps to confirm his heaviness of heart. I'm going to send a very heavy, hard hail, such as has not been seen in Egypt, verse 18, Exodus 9, from the day it was founded until now. Egypt, in my understanding, is essentially a land of a little bit of rain. But now hail is coming. This would be like a blizzard hitting San Diego for a week straight. It would be quite unusual. To have in a desert region like this, hail come down and in such a heavy, uh, terrible way. This is a hail storm. You could say the hail is a coming. And whenever pharaohs wanted to boast about something that they accomplished in their leadership, they would say that they were doing more than all things that were done in the country since it was founded. So this is a bit of uh, irony here. Okay? Well, we'll put this on your record, Pharaoh. You're going to have a hailstorm like has never been seen in Egypt since it was founded. That'll be on your record. Now, therefore, send, give an order, bring your livestock, whatever you have in the field to safety. Tomorrow the hail's coming, so warn your people. Every man and beast, middle of 19, that is found in the field and is not brought home when the hail comes down on them will die. Now a proclamation. If you don't seek refuge, people and animals are going to die. You've got 24 hours. 
God's grace and mercy is here. Run for shelter or die. Heed the warning or die. The New Living Translation says, Quick, order your livestock and servants to come in from the fields and to find shelter. Any person or animal left outside will die when the hail falls. Sound the siren. Send the pamphlets. And it's interesting to me that the Pharaoh apparently did this. As stubborn and hard-hearted as he was, word went out to the people of Egypt. And I don't know if Pharaoh's officials convinced him. Maybe he was sitting on his throne and he said, Ah, Moses, you know, go take a hike. I'm sick of hearing from you. And we're going to hear Pharaoh say that later. But somehow the word went out to the people. Hail's coming tomorrow according to the God of Moses. And so here's a warning. It went out on the news. <laughs> you know how uh, we hear of Israel dropping pamphlets uh, on areas before they bomb places? Something like this, right? It went out. It was a warning. The hail is a coming. Take shelter. Now, God has made good on every promise so far. Amen? <laughs> And since Pharaoh lived beyond the seventh plague, guess what he did? <laughs> he stayed inside. So for all his unbelief and hardening or whatever you want to call it, he heeded the forecast. And there was going to be hail to pay. I will just say that. Now many of the Egyptians' gods and goddesses were personified in the elements of nature. Shu was the god of the atmosphere who held up the heavens. Nut was the sky goddess who represented the vaulting sky. Tefnut was a drill. No, just kidding. Was uh, you, are you guys awake? Are these jokes really that bad? Anyway. <laughs> Tefnut was the goddess of moisture. Seth was present in the wind and storm. The Egyptians believed that storms came from the gods, so this would really have their attention. We're going to learn about uh, the newts and bolts of this, so just hang on. I, just, I prepared you a little bit for that one. This plague was also directed against Isis, sometimes represented as cow-headed. She was the goddess of fertility and considered the goddess of the air. She was the mythical daughter of Set and Newt, the sister and wife of Osiris, and the mother of Horus. So this family of gods and goddesses Gods and goddesses were supposed to be in control of all this. But what do you do when all hail breaks loose? And no matter what you do, no matter who you call upon, it ain't stopping. Now the 120, notice the warning went out, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared not God, but the word of the Lord, the warning, if you will, made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. You could say they trembled at the warning, at the word, but... Category number two, he who paid no regard, no attention, ignored the word of the Lord, left his servants and his livestock in the field. Now the warning went out. The record is clear. The God of Israel has shown his mighty power. And some of the people said, there's been a warning, take shelter. And other people said, I don't want to, and this was probably early in the year harvest time, as we will see in a moment. I don't want to risk a day of work, uh, the proceeds we can get from the field. Ah, don't worry about it. It shouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> go ahead and go out and work. Take the animals. Go ahead. Now, 
Isn't it interesting that we're seeing that this is servants that are being sent out? So you go ahead. Go ahead and work in the field. I don't think the heavy stuff's coming down for quite a while. It'll be fine. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner? Or can you give a one-time, tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Now, isn't it interesting that we're seeing that this is servants that are being sent out? So, you go ahead. Go ahead and work in the field. I don't think the heavy stuff's coming down for quite a while. It'll be fine. And the people who did not heed the word of God were out there. And the hail came. And it's been said that we never sin in a vacuum. Our decisions, our responses, oftentimes put others in vulnerable positions. Not always. There were people who heeded the warning and they were safe. There were people who paid no regard to the warning and they perished. The wording is careful here that they feared the word or warning. It doesn't say they feared the Lord because had they feared the Lord, that would be like a salvation uh, verse. And let's talk about what saving faith actually is. Some years ago, I had a friend that I worked with many years ago. This is in the 90s. I was at a printing company and I was in sales. He was as well. And I was studying a lot of eschatology at the time and 
we started talking and he wasn't a believer to my knowledge. And I gave given him a gospel track that it was interesting to me because he always left that gospel track on his desk, although it was clear to me that he was not living for the Lord. And he would ask me at least once a week after we talked about some eschatology. So if this happens, this is what I should do, right? And if this happens, this is what I should do, right? And he was very intrigued and always asking me questions, yet he didn't want to live for the Lord, but he certainly wanted the escape hatch should these things begin to unfold, kind of last day's scenario. Isn't it interesting how people respond sometimes? I've watched people visibly respond to the word of God in ways that seem to demonstrate that something was happening in their heart, but then they hardened their heart again. I've watched people sometimes in the moment at a memorial service begin to soften to the gospel only to go back to their normal lives and pay no attention. Now the Lord said to Moses, 22, stretch out your hand toward the sky that hail may fall on all the land of Egypt, on man and beast, on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire. If you have uh, NIV, it says lightning, and that's probably correct. And it ran down to the earth. If you have New King James, it says fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. And it was literally great balls of fire coming down to the earth. In Cecil B. DeMille's treatment of it, uh, Yul Brenner is standing on a patio and as the hail begins to descend and hit the ground, fire uh, kind of moves out as the hail hits the ground. And it's a bit of an irony, right? You have cold hail and then you have fire. And the word for fire is ish in Hebrew and it is literal fire used to describe theophany, the appearance of God in mighty power, to deal with the fire of cleansing, the fire of sacrifice, So it is the word for fire, but many believe that from parallel passages and just kind of reading between the lines here that lightning was coming down constantly within the hail. Either way, it was scary. Either way, it was something that probably had not been seen in the land of Egypt. Maybe never or perhaps for a long, long time. Psalm 18 says of God, the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Psalm 18, 13, and 14. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them. Oftentimes the storm is an image of God's power and presence and judgment. Fire is often a sign of judgment. When God comes down on Sinai in Exodus 19, which is ahead of us, he will manifest in storm and fire and whirlwind. So this is certainly both a real Judgment that hits Egypt, but it's also a picture of the power of God and that God is in control of the natural elements and so forth. And for whatever reason, pragmatic or so forth, some people ignored the warning and sent their servants out there. In 1888, a hailstorm killed 240 people and wounded hundreds more in India. A single hailstorm killed or injured 400 people in Germany in 1984. And a storm in China's Hainan province killed 22 people and injured 200 on July 22, 2002. I was going to throw some pictures up here for you, but I think you all probably can go and search it later. 
of the devastation caused by hail. Uh, even Lori showed me some pictures from a family member in Wyoming uh, where their car had uh, multiple you know, uh, indentations from hail that broke in the windshield and all of that. So we know, and we've had a few snapshots here in Southern California. <laughs> Whenever we get even a, a glimpse of it, we're like, oh, wow, what is it? I've never seen that before. Right? Do you guys remember when uh, it snowed up in South Corona uh, not that long ago? And we went out there. I was like a little kid out there. Wee! the snow! Anyway, kind of an ugly scene. But anyway, <laughs> Psalm 105, 32 and 33 says, The Lord gave hail for rain and flaming fire in their land, recounting the plague. Psalm 105, 32, 33. He struck down their vines and also their fig trees. And shattered the trees of their territory. Egypt was shattered. Now hold your place and go all the way to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. Just a couple of cross references here that are really interesting. So when we get to Revelation chapter 8, we are looking at the trumpet judgments. And this would be certainly that which is destined for the unbelieving world, not for the church. And here's, uh, it's the breaking of the seventh seal, Revelation 8.1, and a anticipatory silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. And then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, Revelation 8.6, prepared to sound them. And the first sounded, and notice, there came hail and fire, Mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. You can see a third, a third, a third. Go to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. Take a look. This is the gathering of the enemies of God. um, At a place called Harmageddon. That's Revelation 16, 16. And we pick it up. It says, And the seventh angel poured out his bowl. This is the bowl judgments now. Revelation 16, 17. Upon the air. Notice the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. There was a great earthquake quake such as there had not been since man came upon the earth. Eerily similar language to that which happened in Egypt. You've been listening to All Hail Breaks Loose, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 9, 13 through 35. And as always, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't even feel like talking, but you could use some prayer, we have pastors on staff that would love to do that with you. You can call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, when we look at the people of Egypt and we look at Moses, you kind of wonder sometimes watching the plagues unfold, did Moses weep for the people of Egypt? I mean, he grew up in Egypt. He grew up in the Pharaoh's daughter's home. Was he troubled? 
Was he heartbroken? You know, I think of Noah when he got on the ark. It would appear that Noah preached to his generation for 120 years while he built the ark. And with each hammer stroke on the ark, he was preaching. He was a preacher of righteousness, we're told in the book of Second Peter. Did Moses have those kinds of feelings? We're not told per se. Because we know the Bible says, Righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Moses knew that it was time for God to release the grip of Egypt on his people. We can't forget what they were doing to God's people. Enslaving them, beating them, mistreating them, um, holding them in the web of Egypt, if you will, at this time. So lest we forget what was really going on, um, I think Moses probably did have compassion. And he certainly was conflicted at times. Um, and he he didn't even always understand why God did what he did and probably didn't fully understand the holiness of God. But Moses would learn more and more about God as he got to know him, know him I should say, face to face. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're walking through the book of Exodus Hey, excited that if you've just jumped on board recently, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hey, if you'd like to find out more about the ministry, go to our website, walkintruth.com. You can find out a lot more about the program, the church behind it, much, much more. It's walkintruth.com, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow for more in the book of Exodus. And join us tomorrow as Pastor Michael wraps up his teaching in Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 through 35, called All Hail Breaks Loose. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.